Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis by mailing a donation to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913-15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. I want to thank Barbara and Carolyn for supporting the program that way. You can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers. The original air date is November the 26th, 1950, and the title is Hanging by Thread. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles, and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. From the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, hanging by a thread. At 9.15 on the morning of May 5th, 1947, the telephone rang in the sheriff's office in the little town of Finney, Texas. Sheriff Hanson answered it. Sheriff's office, Hanson speaking. Sheriff, this is George Hawks. How are you, George? What can I do for you? Nothing, now. Nobody can. Uh, how's that? I just called to tell you I'm going to kill myself. What did you say? You heard me. It'll take you 20 minutes to get out to my place. By that time, I'll be dead. Now, now, wait a, wait a minute, George. What? Hello? Hello? George? Uh, operator? Operator? Yes, sir? Oh, this is the sheriff. That caller just came in here. Where was it from? One moment, Sheriff. Uh, if this is someone's idea of a practical Hello, joke... Hello, Sheriff. Yes? Yeah. That call was placed from 317 out on Gum Creek Road. The residence of Mr. George Hall. <laughs> Sheriff raced out to the Hawks Ranch and found George Hawks dead, hanging in the barn. Then he made another discovery which prompted him to put in a call to the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned to the case and drove to the Hawks Ranch to meet Sheriff Hanson. When 
Chase, am I glad to see you. Howdy, Sheriff. It's been a long time. Yeah, a month of Sundays. I hope I didn't call you down here for nothing, Jace, but this looks mighty fishy to me. So I want you to take a look at the body. Hasn't been taken down yet? No, I put in a call to the coroner, but he was out somewhere. I left a message for him to come out here as soon as they could locate him. How'd you find out about the body, Sheriff? I got a phone call, Jace, about 9.15. Said it was George Hawks and he was going to kill himself. I thought maybe it was some joker, so I traced the call. And? It came from here all right. So I drove out fast as I could, but George was dead. Hanging by the neck in the barn. No pulse. Body's still warm. Sheriff, I know you didn't call me down here to investigate a routine suicide. What's the catch? Well, I'm getting all that. Come in the barn. This is just the way he was when I found him. You notice that's a wire he's hanging from, not a rope. Yeah. Cut off the clothesline, probably. How do you know? Guessed. I saw the clothesline had been cut, part of a dragon on the ground in the yard. <laughs> you rangers don't miss much, do you? Not if we can help it, Sheriff. Well, I want to show you something I found. Look at this, right under the body. Mm, it's an oil drum. Right. And the exact position I found it in, on its side. Now you'll notice, Jace, that... It's the only thing near enough that George could have stood on while he put the wire around his neck. Here's the rim marks where it stood on the straw before it was tipped over. Yeah, only he didn't stand on it. Look at this end of the drum. Thick with dust. Hmm. Now look at the other end. Dusty, too. Jace is not a sign of a footprint on either end of this oil drum. You're right, Sheriff. He couldn't have climbed up in the loft and jumped, or that wire would have taken his head off. Yeah, that's what I figured, and that's why I called you. What about fingerprints? Oh, couldn't find any, just a few smears. What does it spell to you, Jace? Just one word, and an unpleasant one. Murder. got my camera out of the car and took pictures of the body. And we took down the broken clothesline and nosed around for more evidence. The sheriff went up to look over the house while I combed the barn. How'd you make out up at the house, Sheriff? Nothing, Chase. Absolutely nothing. No note from George. Everything tidy. No sign of a struggle. Funny nobody's around. Who would be ordinarily? His wife, Millie. One of the hands. He had two men working for him last I heard. How are you coming, Jace? I found a couple of things, but not the thing I want. What's that? The tool that was used to cut the wire he's hanging on. All I found in the barn here was this pair of rusty pliers. Well, couldn't they have been used to cut it? No, Sheriff, they wouldn't cut butter. Mm-hmm. Besides, the cut's too clean. How about footprints? No luck yet. But I think I've found what the killer stood on to string the body up. What? The stepladder. I found it under the tool bench. Been used lately. Marks in the dust where it'd been dragged out and then pushed back. What are you fixing to do, Jace? Going up the ladder and take a look at the beam where the wire's looped over. Here, here, I'd better hold it for you. It's pretty rickety. Thanks. Find something? I think so. What is it, Jace? Look at this. Stuck on a splinter where the wire went over the beam. It's a piece of black thread. Yeah, black wool thread. <laughs> well, are you a string saver, Jace? In a case like this, yes. Let's take a look outside. 
What about a motive, Sheriff? For suicide or murder? Either. Uh, can't think of a one offhand. George was a pretty normal guy. Happily married. Didn't have any enemies that I know of. How about those two hands you mentioned? Well, this new one, Brad Johnson, been working for George about six months. Only met him a couple of times. Seemed to be all right. In a quiet sort of way. And the other? <laughs> Old Tom. Oh, he's okay. Drinks a lot. George used to fire him regular and then take him back when he sobered up. There's no good footprints in the yard here. Nope. Ground's packed pretty hard. Oh, Sheriff, huh? Car coming up the house. Is that the corner? That? Uh... Well, no, that looks like... Well, sure, that's George Hawks' car. That's Millie driving it. Mrs. Hawks. Come on. We'll have to tell her, Sheriff. This is the only part of the job I really hate. Yeah, I know, Jace. Sheriff, what are you doing out this way? And... Well, morning, Mrs. Hawks. This is Ranger Pearson. Howdy, ma'am. Ranger? What's happened? What's the matter? I'm sorry to have to tell you, Millie, but George... Something happened to George? Yes. He's dead. Oh, no. No. Come on, Mrs. Hawks. We'll take you to the house. No. I can't believe he'd do it. Mrs. Hawks. When did you last see your husband? Just a few hours ago at breakfast. How did he appear at breakfast? I mean, was anything wrong? Was he upset about anything? Well, yes, there was a big fight at breakfast. I'd never seen George get to my head. A fight? Between you and your husband? Well, all four of us went on it. Old Tom and Brad was there, too. They're the hired hands. How did it start? I cooked breakfast for the four of us, like I always do. Old Tom was late, so we'd started to eat. When we were about through, old Tom came staggering in. He was half drunk. Again, huh? Yes, Sheriff, again. Then he and George had this big row, and George fired him for being drunk. Go on. Old Tom was fighting mad. He gets mean when he's been drinking. Started making all kinds of wild accusations. What kind of accusations, Mrs. Hawks? Lies, Ranger. All of them lies. He said he wouldn't have been drunk if Brad hadn't bought liquor for him. Brad? Well, that's what he claimed. Said Brad got him drunk on purpose so he... Oh, it was awful. So he could what? Well, it's a lie, Ranger. What did he say, Mrs. Hawks? Well, old Tom said to Brad, I wouldn't be drunk if you didn't buy me this stuff. You're always trying to get me out of the way so I won't see you... So I won't see you playing up to the boss's wife. Then what happened? Well, Tom left, and my husband started swearing and threatening Brad, accusing him of what Tom said. Brad said it was a lie, and then George threw some money in his face and told him to get off the place that he was fired, too. What did Brad do? I thought for a minute he was going to hit George, but he didn't. He went outside, and a few minutes later, I heard his car start, and he drove away. By this time, George was in a terrible rage. He even threatened to kill me. So I grabbed the car keys and ran. Did he ask you where you were going? Yes, he did, Ranger. I told him I was going in town to see Mr. Harris, the lawyer, see about getting a divorce. What time did you leave? About 8.30. Ranger, you said you found him hanging in the barn... Well, if it was suicide, why are you asking me all these questions? Because I don't think it was suicide, Mrs. Hawks. I think it was murder. (laughs) 
After the coroner and the doctor arrived, the sheriff borrowed a horse from the corral, I got charcoal out of the trailer, and we headed for Tom's shack up in the hills. There it is, Jace, just around those rocks. That Tom's horse, Sheriff, grazing out back? Yep. He's around someplace. Hop, charcoal. Yes. I just can't see old Tom as a killer, Jace. He ain't the type. Huntsville's full of them, Sheriff. Killers who aren't the type. Oh, oh, oh. Ooh, charcoal. Oh, boy. Let's try the front door. Okay. All right, Tom. Open up. He's not here, Jace. I can see through the windows. Shack's empty. What the... Somebody's shooting close by. Maybe Tom. That shot came from back up in that draw. Come on, Sheriff. There he is. Back by that clump of trees. Is that Tom? Sure is. Hey, he's running toward the trees. Hold it, Tom. There we are. I'll put one over his head. Ah. Yeah, he's starving. See what he's wearing, Jace? Yeah. Black sweater. Now, what's all the commotion? All right, Tom. Throw down that rifle. Sure. Sure, Ranger. But, uh, what for? Why didn't you stop when I told you to? Well, to tell the truth, Ranger, I didn't hear you. I'm kind of deaf. I heard you shot, though. Yeah, that's right, Jace. He's hard of hearing. What's that, Sheriff? Oh, never mind. Why do you shoot at us, Tom? Shoot at you? Why, I never did no such thing. What were you doing then? Ain't no law against a man killing himself a rabbit for supper. All right. Get his rifle, Sheriff. Let's go. Huh? Where to? To your shack first. We're going to have a long talk about George Hawks. I'll tell you, Ranger, I didn't know George was dead until you told me a minute ago. Uh, what call would I have to kill him? If he was killed, he was my friend. You don't seem very clear about what happened this morning, Tom. Well, I... I was a bit foggy. I had me a couple of nips. But I do remember George getting mad and firing me. What happened after that? Well, I took a few more out of the bottle in my saddlebag. I don't remember much after that. I must have rode up here and fell asleep. Woke up a while ago. I was hungry and I went out to get me a rabbit. Tell me, Tom. Do you often draw a blank when you've been drinking? Do... Do I what, Ranger? Have a blank space. Do things you don't remember anything about later. Oh, I suppose I have once or two. Hey, wait a minute. I didn't do it. I couldn't have killed George. He was my friend. These your wire cutters on the table, Tom? Oh, yeah, they are. I'll take them. And I think you'd better come along to town with us. are listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson at our new Sunday time. We hope that our many friends who have listened to us at the earlier hour will continue to be with us each Sunday. And for those of you who are hearing our program for the first time, we extend a warm and cordial welcome and invite you to be with us each Sunday from now on. And now we continue with tonight's case, Hanging by a Thread. An authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. The finger was pointing straight at Tom. 
When we got back to the Hawks Ranch, there was a man in the back lot feeding the hogs. It was Brad Johnson, the third witness at the breakfast fight. While the sheriff took Tom into town, I got Brad's version of what happened. And then he threw the money in my face, Ranger. Thirty dollars. Told me I was fired. I wanted to hit him, but I didn't. Then what, Brad? Then I got my duffel bag, threw it in my car, and drove off. Where'd you go? To Finney. Drove around town for a few minutes, and then I went to the White Spot Cafe and had a cup of coffee. What time was this? When I was in the cafe? Oh, about 9.30, I guess. Why'd you come back here? Well, somebody in town said that George had killed himself and that the coroner was on his way out here. So? Well, I figured if it was true, there wouldn't be anybody to do the chores. We fired old Tom, too. And Mrs. Hawks always treated me so friendly. Well, so I come out to do what I could. Very nice of you. Tell me, Brad, is there anything between you and Mrs. Hawks? No, sir. That's a lie, Ranger. Never even spoke to each other except at mealtimes or say good morning. What are you planning to do now? Well, I don't know. Help Mrs. Hawks till she can get somebody, I reckon. I see. Well, I gotta be moseying along. Oh, uh, don't leave town without letting me know. Oh, I won't, Ranger. I'll be around. got the evidence off to Austin and then went to the White Spot Cafe. Brad had been seen there at 9.30, and Mrs. Hawks had been with her lawyer half an hour before. I radioed headquarters that I was staying over in Finney, and about 9 that night, I got a phone call. Hello? Jace, Captain Stinson. I've got the report on that stuff you sent in today. You got a pencil? Sure have, Captain. Shoot. On that black wool sweater, the thread you sent in the envelope matched all right. It's definitely off the sweater. How about the wire cutters? I'm afraid I got a disappointment for you there, Jase. They couldn't get a match. I'm afraid the murder wire wasn't cut with the tool you sent. Are you sure, Captain? The boys in the lab are. They made sample cuts with every millimeter of those blades and couldn't match up a single one with a murder wire. Oh. What kind of a fix does that put you in, Jase? I'm not sure. Well, thanks, Captain. I'll keep in touch with you. All right, Jase. Good luck. going to need more than luck. Things were really getting tangled up. It was about 4 a.m. when I finally dozed off trying to dope it out. Then at 8.30, I met the sheriff in his office. Well, you look like you've been through the ring, Jace. Hotel bed's too hard for you. No, but I didn't get much sleep trying to figure this Hawks thing out. Looks like we'll have to let old Tom go, Sheriff. Why? What's up? The lab says Tom's cutters didn't cut that wire. They didn't? No. Of course, old Tom could have used other cutters, but in his stupor, I doubt if he'd be that clever. Uh, well, I hate to complicate things more than they are, Jason. What do you mean? Karna called a little while ago. He sent in his report over with one of my deputies. Should have been here by now. His verdict is suicide. Suicide? Oh, that doesn't make sense. Well, apparently it does to him. We'll know when the report gets here. Yeah. George Hawks, deceased. Climbed up a stepladder, put a wire around his neck, and then placed the ladder neatly under a workbench 12 feet away. <laughs> My dusty oil drum snarling things up, Jason. Considerable. Morning, Sheriff. Mm. Howdy, Ranger. Hi. Morning, Joe. Did you get it? Yep. I had to wait while the coroner signed it. Here it is. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Anything more I can do, Sheriff? Uh, no, not right now. Well, I'll go get me some breakfast then. Let's see. No marks of violence on the victim's body. Autopsy disclosed no brain injury. Death probably caused by strangulation. 
Coroner's conclusion, suicide. Signed, G. Parker Coroner. Hmm? There it is, Jace. Couldn't be. Now, here's something from the doctor. I examined the body at 11.30 a.m. It is my opinion the death occurred approximately three hours previously. I'm in... Hey, wait a minute, Sheriff. Well, what is it? That'd make it about 8.30 when George died. What time did you say he called you? At 9.15. Great suffering! Sheriff, are you sure it was George who called? Well, now that you mention it, I'm not sure. Said he was George. Could it have been somebody else? Yeah, I suppose so. It's beginning to piece together, Sheriff. Whoever it was could have killed George, then called you and tried to sound like him. To establish an alibi. Exactly. And then pop up someplace else a few minutes later. Like the White Spot Cafe. I'll call you later. Where are you going, Chase? Back to the Hawks Ranch. When I pulled up to the ranch, Brad Johnson was running water into the big trough near the barn. Well, hi, Ranger. What brings you out this way? I want to talk to Mrs. Hawks. We're releasing Tom... Coroner's report came in a few minutes ago. Suicide. Is she around? Why, sure, she's up in the house. Okay. Oh, I... I just happened to think. Charcoal, my horse here in the trailer, hasn't had a square meal since I left headquarters yesterday. Is there some hay around that I could give him? Why, sure, Ranger. Some fresh bale just inside the barn there helped sell. Thanks. I'd be glad to pay for it. No, no, forget it. I'm sure Mrs. Hawks wouldn't mind. Oh, uh... Have you got something to open one with? Why, sure. Here. Here's my cutters. I took the cutters into the barn and made some cuts on a wire sample. After I gave the cutters back to Brad and fed charcoal, I spoke briefly with Mrs. Hawks, and then I tore out for the lab in Austin. By one o'clock, I got the results. Here it is, Jace. Take a look. The wire's matched, Johnny. See for yourself. That dual microscope never lied to me yet. The left one's the murder wire. The one on the right is one of the samples you brought in. That's it. Well, look at those striations. It's a perfect match. Thanks, Johnny. Take care of this stuff. Got to get back to Finney pronto. Oh, will you do me a favor? Sure, Jace. Call the sheriff at Finney. Tell him I'm on my way and I got something hot. I'll be there in two hours. Well, Jace, you sure made good time. What'd you find out? We got positive proof the murder wire was cut with Brad Johnson's cutters. Brad's? You gonna pick him up? Not right yet, Sheriff. Why not? We only know that Brad's cutters were used. We don't know he used them. We got to be sure. What are your plans, Jace? I've been thinking. Those stories that Mrs. Hawks and Brad told me, they were alike, all right. Too much alike. What do you mean? A couple of times they used the exact phrases. Mm -hmm. What about Tom and the black thread? We'll keep an eye on him, but I think he's clean. He could have caught his sleeve on that beam doing anything, pitching hay or anything. Yeah, he could have. Well, uh, what do we do now? We've got to catch him alone, Brad and Mrs. Hawks. When they don't know anybody's around, we got to hear what they say to each other. Maybe after the funeral. It's this afternoon, 4 o'clock. You know where it's being held, Sheriff? Sure, out of the ranch. It'll be a graveside ceremony. Where's the cemetery? Clear over on the other side of town from the Hawks' place. It'll take them a while to get over there and back. Sheriff, while they're at the cemetery... You and I are going to the ranch and fix up a little surprise. There. It ought to be all right for that one, behind the window shade. Quite three microphones. Jace, wouldn't one do? 
Not if they wander around the house while they're talking, Sheriff. I want to hear everything. Yeah, but how do you know that Brad and Mrs. Hawks will talk? How do you know they'll even come into the house? I don't know, Sheriff. I'm guessing. And my guess is that after the funeral's over, somebody's going to let his hair down. Say, it's almost five, Jace. They'll be coming back soon. I'm finished in here, Sheriff. Now all we have to do is string the wire to the stakeout. Come on. We'd hidden my car in a lane down the road and set up our equipment in a clump of trees close to the house. Three neighbors' cars drove up, then Brad's. We watched him as he fed the stock. About sundown, the last of the guests left the house. There go the last of them, Sheriff. Can you see Brad? He's been in the barn the last few minutes. Hmm. There he is, Jace, heading for the house. Good. Put on your earphones, Sheriff. I want you to hear this, too. There he goes, up on the porch. Yeah. Shh. Sheriff, I've heard enough. Let's take them. You cover the back, Sheriff. I'll take the front. Okay, Jase. All right, in there. Open up. Ranger Pearson, open up. What do you want? You know what I want, Brad Johnson. Well, he's not here. I know different. Okay, Sheriff, let's search the house. All right, Jase. I don't know what this is all about. You'll find out. All right, Sheriff, work this way. Ranger, what's the meaning of this? He's not in the back of the house, Jace. Maybe he's... What was that? He was upstairs, Sheriff. Sounds like he jumped from up there. Come on! Don't see him. He didn't run for his car. Couldn't have gone far. Maybe he hit for the highway. What's that? Chickens in the barn. Something scared him, and I think I know what. Come on! If we play this right, we've got him trapped I know you're in there, Brad. Come on out. All right. Dark as pitch in there, Jason. Turn on your flashlight, Sheriff. Take the other side. I'll look behind those things. Okay. Hey! What is it, Sheriff? Pitchfork. Threw it from the loft. He hit me. You hurt bad? Don't think so. My shoulder. Here, give me your flashlight, Sheriff. All right, Brad. I'm coming up. No, no, don't come up. I'm coming down. Come on where we can see you then. With your hands up. Jace, he's jumping. Oh! Jace, you all right? Yeah. Yeah, he fell on his back, hit his head when I hit him. Is he dead? No. No, Sheriff, he's not dead. And I can't say he won't be, though, when the state gets through with him. 
After Mildred Hawks turned state's witness, Brad Johnson confessed to the murder of his employer. For her part in the crime, Mildred Hawks received a sentence of 50 years in a women's prison at Huntsville. Johnson's sentence, death in the electric chair. And now, here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae. While most of the mail that comes to us here at Tales of the Texas Rangers is written by grown-ups, the youngsters have their questions, too. Tonight, I'd like to read you a postcard from a boy in Newark, New Jersey. It says, Dear Mr. McRae, I am nine years old. Me and my friend Tony was talking about being Texas Rangers when we grow up. How do you go about getting that job? Your friend, Tommy Cook. Well, Tommy, a lot of people have asked us that same question recently, and I guess maybe it's high time for us to tell them. First, a ranger has to serve at least 10 years as an outstanding police officer. Then he may compete with others for the job. If he's selected, he works under the wing of a ranger captain for at least six months, and then he's put out in the field with other seasoned rangers for a year and a half. By this time, he is, or he isn't, a true Texas Ranger. And Tommy, your card's being sent to Colonel Homer Garrison, Jr., chief of the Texas Rangers. Good luck. Good night. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Saddle Trent. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Byron Kane, Betty Lou Gerson, Jeff Corey, and Wally Mayer. This story was transcribed and adapted by Andrew McBroom, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. This is Hal Gibney speaking. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Tuesday nights are bright with comedy on NBC. Start off the evening with Baby Snooks. Hear Fibber McGee and Molly of 79 Wistful Vista. Listen as Art Linkletter proves that people are funny and laugh with Bob Hope and his gang. It's truly fine entertainment every Tuesday night. So be sure to listen for Baby Snooks, Fibber McGee and Molly, People Are Funny, and Bob Hope. Now it's the $64 question. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Welcome back. You know, one thing that definitely stands out after listening to so many episodes is that hanging is probably one of the more difficult forms of suicide to fake. Now, certainly with trying to fake a suicide by gunshot, there are telltale issues like the gun being in the wrong hand or the bullet entering at the incorrect trajectory. But there are so many things when faking a hanging that the untrained amateur just does not think about. And so these attempts often go awry. 
I do understand what they were trying to do with the call to the sheriff, but that turned out to be a move that was too cute by half. I did find myself confused on the part from the coroner in ruling the death a suicide, but not actually dealing with the problems that made the police think that it was not a suicide. It was also interesting that uh, Jace said he wanted the sheriff there to witness what was being said on the mic that was planted. I think sometimes, and I know at least I do, I, I, you, as, you assume that because the police are listening into a conversation that there's also a record of it. And that was not always the case in the 1940s and 50s. Even on Dragnet, there are a few episodes where there is a reference to a recording being made of what's being heard, but that's not all the time when they are listening in. Here, though, it's pretty explicit that no record's being made. That's why Jace needs the sheriff as a witness. Now, of course, there are potential reasons why in 1947, when this case occurred, that there was not an actual tape made. If I were to speculate, it may come back to the issue of Jace Pearson essentially being a one-man crime-fighting outfit in the field. Joe Friday and police officers in the city often had uh, crews who, you know, would go in and wire a place for sound. Jace Jace Pearson is his own crow, and he is limited to whatever he can carry in his car or horse trailer. And I'm pretty sure the only thing in the horse trailer is charcoal and some feed. Now, if anyone else has another explanation as to why Jace Pearson wasn't recording this, I would love to hear it. That's my best guess. All right, listener comments and feedback now. Regarding the episode cleanup, we got a comment from YouTube. Uh, if uh, the Texas Rangers were going to do a raid on the scale depicted in the story, uh, it says they wouldn't, but I think it he means they would use the Texas State Troopers Police as backup. Uh, that is a fair point, uh, you know, and could be, but they did not portray that in the episode. You know, I think they're definitely leaning into the sort of one riot, one ranger, you know, sort of philosophy. And so were there actually state policemen or other backup? Did the rangers need them? Uh, it's an interesting point, so... That very well could be, but again, they didn't say it in the episode, so, uh, you know, they, and they left a really strong implication it was just the Rangers by themselves. And then, uh, Eileen had a comment all over on YouTube on the, Paul, on Paul Duvall's performance as Jeff Regan. This guy is good. I do like Frank as Regan, but this actor, Paul Dubov, is phenomenal. The writing for this story, uh, The Smell of Magnolias, is pretty darn sharp, and the descriptions are way better than uh, uh, normal, too. But, geez, Sanducci bounce, bounces between Italian and Irish. Yeah, you can have some dialect issues with uh, some of these programs. That's why I tend to be forgiving of the kind of 
of weak American accents you'll hear in a lot of British audio dramas of like the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. I figure that uh, Americans, we probably have it coming for all of the uh, audio dramas with bad accents that we did during the Golden Age of Radio. Thanks so much for the comment, Eileen. Now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Gina. Patreon supporter since June of 2020, currently supporting us at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Again, thanks so much for your support. Well, that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please rate and review it wherever you download your podcast from. Next week on Tuesday, we'll be getting into previously uncirculated episodes of Mr. Chameleon. And of course, next Saturday, we'll be back with another episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers. But before that, we're heading back out to the Blue Note and another adventure with Casey Crime Photographer where... Casey. Matt, will you tell this muscle man of yours that I'd like a couple of shots of the coffin and flowers? Yeah, it's okay, Pete. All right. Everybody clear away from the coffin. This fella's going to take a picture that'll be in the papers. Thanks, Pat. What do you say to the send-off I'm giving poor little Benny Thrush? That bronze coffin alone set me back five grand. Looks like it cost that much. Get a load of that full-size piano all made out of expensive flowers. It's my going-away present to poor little Benny. Who do you suppose made poor little Benny go away back? I wished I knew, Casey. Say, get that flower piano in your picture. Benny's widowed like it. Yeah, I'll get it in. That does it. Say, that Benny's widow coming in? Yeah, I gotta go to the poor kid. She needs me to lean on. Yeah. Come on, Annie. Let's you and me get to the widow, too. She was terribly broken up, Casey. How are you feeling today, Valerie? I'm all right, Mr. McCoy. Hello, Valerie. Hmm? Remember us? Oh, Miss Williams and Casey. Oh, I'm... I'm so glad to see you, too. Hey, what, kid? We want to extend our sincerest sympathy. If we can do anything for you, you just let us know. Thank you both. If Mrs. Thrush needs anything, she'll call on me. When did you people get to know each other? Quite a while ago, Pat. Valerie, the paper's running a spread on your husband's funeral. Do you mind if I shoot a picture of you? All right, Casey. Take your picture. Thank you. Just stand as you are. That's, That's right. Hold it. Got it. Thank you. Hey, boss. Yeah? Uh, the undertaker just told me the preacher's here. You want to say a few words before the church guy begins? Right? Of course I'm going to say some words about my pal, Ben. I ain't going to let this little lady's husband be stuck into the ground without I tell the world how much I thought of him. Come with me, Valerie. Boy, I need her rats and rats, but that McCoy is the worst. Same thing you are, Casey. Isn't there some way to make that louse paper? I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.